the story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. And here we are, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud. I'm going to talk some blue shirts, man. Good start for Shostakin versus the Calgary Flames. We'll talk about that, the game in Chicago versus the Blackhawks and how the hell that shit got into overtime. We will not know, but nonetheless, they get the point, the extra point, in the previous game versus the Bolts. And, and, and by the way, we will be sprinkling a little bit of Tampa Bay Lightning and Calgary Flame talk today, as well as I, I believe, you know, you know, Scott got his weekly Lafayette rants. I can't wait, man. He is a whole, he probably cover a whole by himself with that. And also the stadium series, we're going to talk about that for this upcoming week. And the Ring Podcast will raise a proud. Our pistol, RP, Empire Sports Media, Inside the Ring. What's up, bro? How you doing? I'm very good. How's it going tonight? I await the thoughts, RP, from Scott, Glenn, and Carl's with us. So we got a full house to discuss uh, blue shirts, a little bit of Calgary, and a little bit of Tampa Bay. I, I look forward to your thoughts on what you thought on with Igor. Um, his, he had a good start. He had a good start against the Flames. Yep. He needed that. And we'll talk about he it. He needed that. He, yeah, he definitely needed that. It was. I think the team needed that. You know, it wasn't just Igor. I think... The team wants to see him play at his potential, and and they got that the other night. I mean, that's just what they needed. I mean, you know, you get both the goalies playing hot and get the team start scoring, and we, you know, we saw it in the first two months of the season. They're a dangerous team, so they're going to start peaking at the right time, I think. Right, yeah, definitely. I think they have, like, about a five, six-point lead on Carolina right now, so we'll we'll discuss. Let's get the guys on, and uh, we'll talk about it. And we've got a lot to discuss. Uh, let's go to, let's get Glenn on. Say hello to the people. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, welcome to all of you guys. Good to be back. Uh, Rangers riding a five-game winning streak, four straight out of the shoot after the All-Star break. So, uh, uh, things are looking good point-wise, but I think there's still, uh, some things that need to be addressed, and, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully they will be, and I'm sure we'll be talking about them as the night goes on. Got my notes ready to take them down for you. Shout out to you, Glenn. And Scott, how you doing, sir? Real quick, Scott, before we we'll bring on Carl. How you doing, Scott? How's everything? Uh, good, good, good. I just want to apologize in advance. I got a nasty cold working on me here, so uh, you can definitely hear it in uh, one of the worst coughs of my life. So if I'm in the middle of saying something and all of a sudden I go mute, it's because I got a coughing fit I can't control. So I apologize in advance. But other than that, life is good this week, huh? By the way, if you have a call, my recommendation is always works for me, Scott. Always works for me. Uh, you know, go to you know, shot right produce section. Go and get you that ginger, the root. Cut it up, boil it into a tea. You'll be better in no more than a 24-hour period if you got a cold. It works. Ginger, oh. ginger root. Okay, I have some ginger root in the freezer, as a matter of fact. Uh, I'm going to take that recommendation. Uh, yeah, because, you know, we, buy, cause we, 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 make, we make something with ginger, and, you know, it's so cheap. So, you, you know, you, you only need, like, a couple slices and whatever you're making, but, you know, we'll just get, like, you know, uh, you know a big chunk of it, and you don't want to throw it out. So, you know, Sharon always throws it in the freezer, but I did notice we have a big chunk of it in the freezer. So, uh, hopefully yeah. it's still good. I will take you up on that. I'm about to look that up on YouTube. That's got to be a first. <laughs> Shout out to Scott. And, of course, Carl, what up, man? How you doing, man? I'm doing well, gentlemen. It has been a while. Hope everything is uh, doing well. I actually have ginger in my fridge. I didn't use it for that, but you know what? It might give me some second thoughts now. It never fails. I, dude, I, I don't get sick. And when I do get sick, when I cut that up, boil into a tea, maybe add a little bit of honey, I say within 10 hours you'll be Oh, back almost close to 100% again. It always works. Somebody put me onto a, a fellow's fan years ago, and I, I thank her. She's phenomenal with that re- re- that piece of advice. Having, I don't even think I've touched over-the-counter medicine since that. Get you a ginger root from the grocery store, the produce. You'll be, if you feel like you're getting a cold, that thing always works. 
always. Now, Steve, now let me ask you: do you you make it like tea, like with a tea bag and the ginger, or just straight ginger as, and as you know, it's just the ginger we're using, or we're using a tea bag as well. Oh, straight. Uh, well, I never use the tea bag ginger. I'm talking about the root. Like you go to the produce okay. section, get the root, cut it up in slices, yeah. boil it, and, you know, add a pot, add water to it. Uh, if you want to add honey, that's optional. Always works. Because okay, so just, if you look at if you look up on YouTube, they back that up. Like this always works, and it's true. And that has over the counter medicines in years. This is way before COVID. So yeah. So yeah, get, get you some Scott. You'll be better by by noon tomorrow. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right. I'll work on that right now. Well, uh, every time I'm on mute, I will, uh, I'm will. i going to work on that right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because you're going to need that for your year rant. So let's go to RP and get this all started. I'm feeling better these days. we got to be eager to circuit after all the pressure he was facing over the weekend. Even though we got two points in Chicago and, you know, beating the Bolts. But um, RP, let's yep. start, man. Whatever you want to, you know, start with it, and we'll go right down the line with the blue shirts, man. Um, nice little win streak to get a little bit of breathing room, man. Just a little bit, but we look, got a little bit of breathing room. Working, working on on some things that they need to work on. You know, some good things. Uh, the, the third line's been playing really well with Brzezinski, Cooley, and Kako. They're getting points. They're getting. A lot of five-on-five five offensive zone pressure. Um, the power play really needs to be worked out because I think they're like I had the numbers earlier, 0 for 14, 0 for the last six. Something, something in there that's gonna they're gonna need to figure that out, and, and I'm sure they will. Um, defense has played, especially in in the in the two nothing shutout last night. Defense is playing much much better. They've come in. And see your sub break a lot more focus. Uh, I like what I see there. Um, like to see Zimbanajar and Kreider find that five on five, not, not even magic, just consistency. I mean, I know Zimbanajar scored an overtime the other night, and Kreider's been missing some goals last year that he would have buried without a problem. But I'm not, I don't know, it's weird, guys. I'm not overly concerned about it. I just think since they're getting a lot of shots and they're getting a lot of offensive zone pressure, I'm more leaning towards it's just going to come together. They're not playing horrible, but we're looking for that more consistency. You know, all the games that they won here, Steve, congrats, you wanted four out of six points. You got six out of six points and a shutout. I don't think there's much that we can knock over these last three games. Yes, the Chicago game could have gone better, but, you know, what do we always say? Good teams find a way to win lousy hockey games, and that's what they did. So I take the two points and, and move on and not worry about it. Um, Rangers made a couple of moves. They uh, they sent down Matt Rempe today. They gave him his little warm-up the other night, but unfortunately they didn't play him. But he will play right now. Elstrom is uh, is either being viewed as the, the, a fourth-line player or he's being showcased for a trade. We have yet to determine what that is. Pitlick was waived today. Um, him and Benino were in that same category. The Rangers are just heavy with the bottom six, so it's really hard to stay there unless you're really doing something well. You know, if you look at things, you know, we need to work. Gustafson seems to be struggling a little bit. I think you guys would all agree with that. I, I still don't know why he won't throw Zach Jones into the lineup just on any given game not because someone's hurt or suspended, and make the other guys watch a little bit. But other than that, these last five games, I mean, I don't think any Ranger fan could really complain when you put 10 points up in the standing and get a little bit of breathing room, like you said, Steve. So I've been really happy with it, really patient, waiting to see what Drury does with the trade deadline coming up. Not a lot of money to play with, but uh, all things are looking good, better than it was in January, that's that's for sure. Yeah, the point you brought up. Gustav Gustafson. So uh, I'll, I'll wait on, on on that in a little because I talked about that I think a week or two ago with the slot turnovers. Mm-hmm. You did, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, defense has been a lot better, and that's you know that's kind of been the number yeah. for me. Uh, Glenn and then Scott and Carl. Uh, Glenn, your thoughts? You know, anything summary level? Blue shirt. Same thing with Scott and then Carl after that. Uh, yeah, uh, first I'll just chime in on the poll we seem to be happening. I, I, I also have ginger in my uh, refrigerator, 
in the uh, drawer, and I think I'm gonna. <laughs> that, that, and, I and can that understand pretty that. Good. I, Freezer, yeah, I ain't I never heard of that shit before. Freezer, no, I can get in, it. <laughs> it's in the vegetable drawer. It's in the vegetable drawer. We made some uh, stir fry last week, and uh, so there's some left over. So I think I'm gonna make myself uh, a little cup of ginger and honey tea after we get off tonight. Um, but anyway, getting getting back to the blue shirts. Yeah, I mean after you know two very impressive wins uh, against Colorado and and Tampa Bay. Uh, you know I I think they. You know, maybe they just got a little big-headed. I, I, I fell into that trap, too. To me, going into that Chicago game on Friday, it was just like, all right, it's just a matter of what, what is the score going to be? How, how big is it going to be? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it was a tough game to watch because there really wasn't a lot going on. I mean, uh, honestly, I was, like, watching it and checking email and getting back to it because uh, it was a tough game to really kind of focus on. Uh, and then to have those two goals in the last six and a half minutes, uh, I don't know that you could necessarily blame Igor for it, but, um, you know, we were looking at a nice, uh, you know, a nice comfortable uh, one goal for Igor to be given up. All right, it seems like everything's going to be okay. And then those two two goals go in, and you're like, oh, no, that's about the last thing he needed right now. And, uh, you know, the, the way they celebrated after uh, Zabanjad scored the overtime goal was kind of about the same way I felt. It was like, well, you know, yeah, you should have won that game. So just get off the ice and get back to New York. Uh, but, um, you know, then they, they followed that up with a solid win against uh, Calgary, who uh, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. They're kind of a team where uh, not sure if they're in or out. Uh, but they have been playing better lately. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, I never, I never really felt that they were going to blow that game. I thought they might uh, go up, uh, you know, Two nothing or something to make it a little more comfortable. So I was surprised it went right down to the wire with that. But then, uh, you know, King of the Empty Net Goals, Jimmy Vesey, uh put one in, and uh, I think he's got twelve goals. And and RP, you probably knows they have like five or six empty netters. Uh, but uh, it was nice to top that off and uh, go into uh, uh, you know a game against Montreal that hopefully they'll be able to win as well. But I mean, for right now, you're right. Uh, you know, put a little put a little space between them and the Hurricanes. Even the Hurricanes have uh, two games in hand, so the six-point lead could really be two. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're solidifying their position in the playoff run, and as they come down to the uh, uh, the trade deadline, figure out what they need. Um, you know, and I think they'll work on uh, the power play. Is I mean, there's just too much talent to have a power play uh, go wrong the way it has. Uh, you know, sometimes power plays can be a little streaky. I think they're still, you know, in the top five or six in the league, even with the 0 for 14 uh, that they're on right now. But, uh, uh, you know, Laviolette obviously changing it up a little bit. Uh, uh, starting the, the second power, I forget what game it was, starting the second power play unit uh, with a power play the other night and uh, uh, switching guys around, trying different things to get uh, somebody going. And uh, I, I think it'll work anyway. There, there's too much talent. This team's power play has been too good for too many years, and, and a lot of the same components are still on it. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. I think they'll come around and uh, uh, get back to where we're used to seeing them. Yeah, yeah, they're still fifth in the league when it comes to the power play. So they've kind of always been uh, mediocre with this, this core roster as five on five. They do excel with the four on four, where when one guy gets into the penalty box and then there's an offset and there's a four on four, whatever. Minutes, they kind of that they're to each other uh, as far as uh, familiarity. Yeah, the power play has still been on point. You know, you know, top five. Uh, same with the penalty kill. I mean, we can talk about that too when we get to the meat of that. Uh, let's go to Scott and get Glenn and then you know, Carl after that. Scott, uh, your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my uh, Calgary friends. Uh, I had a wonderful weekend with them. We um, we came in Wednesday. We went to the uh, Devils Flames game on uh, Thursday night, so it was uh, nice to be all united and beat the Devils there. Uh, I did not accompany them to Long Island, but they got another nice win there, and then we beat them last night uh, where I met up with them again. So uh, that's a perfect road trip for me, and they were very satisfied with that because they honestly expected to get swept. So them uh, taking care of our dirty work and then us taking care of them was about as good as that could have gone, and they were uh, did not dampen their trip. They had a, they had a great time. Uh, oh, so it was, it was a nice game, and I did notice that with that. I think it was the first power play. I think we started with, with the big five, but then I remembered uh, 
like 30 seconds into it, um, I saw, like, I think Lafreniere and Kako come out, and I was very surprised. But uh, you know what? It's It's been stagnant. You know, I, I've been saying I like when Laviolette uh, is shaking things up. Uh, if, if it's not working, shake things up, absolutely. So um, I know that was good to see. And, um, you know, I, I have the, the – I'm looking at the schedule here, and as not to, uh, you know, as not to sound like uh, Larry Brooks, you know, can always find the negative in any positive situation because we are on a five-game uh-huh. uh, win streak here. But, you know, I, I got to point out the, the lack of scoring goals, you know. And it, it's funny because, you know, the intro to this show is, uh, you know, RP is your, is your sound clip saying the offense couldn't score, they're stagnant. And it's just it, – it's just so it, – it, it's frustrating how, how many times that that actually applies to what's going on with this team. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so obviously we take the Ottawa game out of the equation with the seven goals. Um, But, you you know, if you look at the next four and, you know, I'm I'm going to use the term real goals. And when I use that term, that means I'm taking empty netters and and overtime goals out of the equation because those are not real goals. I'm talking about 60-minute goals. So we had one against Colorado, uh, two against Tampa, three against Chicago, but, you know, those three came early, and then one again last night. And, um, you know, that's not sustainable. Um, you know, I'm even going to give them a pass on, on the Chicago game uh, because they had just fought two great playoff-type games against playoff-type playoff teams in Colorado and Tampa, you know, two one-goal games, and, and came out the victor of both. But, so, you know, I'm going to give them a, a little bit of a pass for, for taking their foot off the gas. And I remember watching the, the post game in that Chicago game, and, and Valiquette was livid. And, and he was saying, you know, you have to play like a – at this point in the season, you have to be a play, play like a playoff team, like every game's a playoff game. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because, you know, you, you can't burn yourself out. They did just enough to get – you know, the, the key was to get two points. Obviously, it didn't go the way we wanted. So, on one hand – you know, I don't really fault them for, for taking their foot off the gas. Maybe they were not gas from those last two games, you know, when that third period when Chicago just pretty much took over. I think at one point I, think the, I heard Sam or Joe say that Chicago had like nine straight shots in that third period. So And, and that was for Igor's first game back. And, and I don't fault him for that either. I know of those three goals. The first one he didn't see. He, there was a guy right uh, skating in front of him. He didn't see that at all. And the third one was just a – Gorgeous, gorgeous deflection, you know, mid and way above, you know, well, above the waist midair. Nobody's stopping that unless it hits the guy right in the chest. No goalie in the world stopping that, uh, you know. So I give him a pass on those. I don't recall the second goal. So at, at, at the absolute worst, there was one goal that maybe was stoppable, but I don't even remember it. So that's okay. And then obviously last night he had an absolute gem. So good to see, uh, good to see Igor back there. But uh, you know, this not scoring goals is a problem. And, um, you know, it's it's not sustainable. It's great that they're finding ways to win these, these games. Um, yes, against uh, some, some quality teams there. And you can put, you know, Calgary is now, you know, fight. they're a bubble team and they're fighting for their lives. And they're, they were on a four-game win streak as well. They, they won in Boston pretty handily. Uh, and, they, and the Islanders and Devils, both teams that they're, are fighting for their playoff lives. So Calgary is, is not, uh, you know, they're not in rebuild mode yet. They did unload some, uh, some hefty contracts, but they're not in rebuild mode and they're still fighting for a playoff spot. So that was not a gimme game at all by any means last night. And, of course, Markstrom, uh, you know, proving that his being a Vesna finalist a couple of years ago was, was no fluke. Uh, but uh, this this lack of scoring uh, scoring goals, I, this we need to do something. And, and again, I, I I said at the beginning of the season, I said, you know, this comes down to Lafreniere and Kako being legitimate top six wingers, and and they're just they're just not. They're just proving it again. You know, Steve, I was texting you last night during the game with the with the Lafreniere missed opportunity count. Yeah, you know, he got the count. Four. How many? What's the tally on that right now? Well, there were four last night because, yes, I'm at the point where, you know, I I have the Lafreniere missed gorgeous opportunity count and the Keandre disgusting turnover count. Uh, And that is is what I watch for every game. Uh, Keandre was okay last night, but he did have uh, one uh, against Chicago in the second period right in the own zone. Uh, Luckily, they didn't convert on it. <clears throat> but um, you know, but you know, Lafreniere was four again last night, and then he had four again. Um, uh, which game was it? The the Colorado game. 
Uh, I'm sorry, the yes, the Colorado game, he had four. And then the Tampa game, he did score a goal, and that was a nice one-timer. But let's face it, there was no goalie. You know, the goalie was out of position. It, it's, it's the ones where he's got those gorgeous setups, mostly from Panarin, one-timer, point-blank and whatnot, and he just can't beat the goalie. You know, he, he's looking at the, the, the logo on the goalie jersey as a target every single time. So he had four in that uh, Colorado game. In the Tampa game, he did score that goal, but then he had a breakaway. He had the, the game on his stick, didn't score it. And good to see Mika finally get back in the game. Uh, because he's been pretty much non-existent too. In fact, I've been arguing with a friend of mine who's a staunch Lafreniere defender, and every time I say something, he's like, well, what about Mika? And I was, my answer was like, well, Mika's proven himself. Mika's been pretty much non-existent this season, and he's on pace for 80 points still. And Mika's proven himself. If he's going to have a season that's lackluster, he's allowed to do it because because he's proven himself time and time again. Lafreniere has not proven himself. This is where he's supposed to be proving himself, and he's not. And these missed opportunities are just so frustrating because, you know, you got one of the best setup guys in the league in Panarin just feeding him these gorgeous opportunities. Um, you know, there, there was that one, you know, right in front, where, uh, I think it was, all, you know, in that um, – in that Colorado game, right in front, and he, he just, you know, he just cannot beat a goalie. He just can't beat a goalie. Every goal that he scored, was he got 14, every single goal that he scored, it, it, you know, anybody else in the league could have scored. He's, he's got none of these, you know, special sniping, you know, top draft pick type of goals. You know, he's just not dangerous. You know, Jack Hughes, Bedard, McDavid, when these guys have the puck, you know, the other team gets scared. You know, I remember in the playoffs last year, every time Jack Hughes was carrying that puck through the through the neutral zone, I was terrified. And nobody is terrified of either Kako and Lafreniere, and that's going to be a problem. And when you got Panarin, you know, giving him gorgeous opportunity after gorgeous opportunity, and he can't convert these, that is going to be a problem if that is the, the line that we're looking at come playoff time. And that yeah. needs to be addressed. And if that means Tarasenko for cheap uh, on that line, so be it. I know that people are thinking he might be done. I don't think he's done. I think he's on a terrible team, and I think he's pretty much stopped trying because he knows he's on a terrible team. Uh, I think we can rejuvenate him no problem. Uh, of course, the third line center is something that needs to be addressed with the uh, the unfortunateness uh, with with Heedle. But we need a legit top six winger because neither Kako or Lafreniere is it, and we are not a cup contender until we get one. All right, cool. Let's go to Carl's thoughts, and then we we'll go back around. Well, you know, to pick up on what Scott was just talking about, um, the goals situation in terms of their small drought, I, I don't even want to call it a drought. I would just sort of would look at it as a, things are going to come and go. I'm looking at because I was, I was curious. I was like, well, as I watched the games, I felt like, you know, I felt like the Rangers should have scored more than, than the 2 nothing and, and 3-1 games, and even the 3-1 to game against Chicago that I saw on Friday night. And I was like, I feel like the Rangers are getting far more scoring chances that are close in that should be going in, but, but they weren't. And I was like, so I look at the numbers, and thank goodness Valley have, have, has uh, his, his charts up. In, in the game mm-hmm. that they won 2 nothing the other night, they, the high-danger opportunities were 12-4 to four in favor of the Rangers. Now, normally – you get 12 high danger shots in any game. That's going to translate to about three, four, or five goals on average. Unfortunately, the Rangers only got scored two that night uh, in total. So you, you figure if the Rangers just get enough opportunities, eventually over time, that will correct itself. They don't have to play any harder. They don't have to do anything more, uh, um, you know, exquisite to to get those. Eventually, those just. You know, over the course of the season, sometimes they don't go in, and then sometimes you'll get a stretch where, you know, the puck just, just goes in for a period of time. We, we see it a lot of times. You know, there may be a 10-game stretch of time where all of a sudden things are just going in. It's like, And then there's that cold stretch where you're just like, damn, you know, there's just a, a, just you know, just sort of like a lid, you know, uh, on the net. So I, that's how I look at it because I'm like 12, 12 in the game against uh, Calgary. I'm looking at the game against Chicago was 9. In the game against Tampa, it was six. They should have gotten a little bit more, but you know they that Tampa game was a little bit more even than the final score indicated at three to one. So from that standpoint, I'm just going to just take a calmer uh, look at that and then project forward and see how it plays out over the larger sample size. You know, one thing when I talked to you guys the last time, I kind of felt as if the team was just kind of hanging on. Um, it seemed like they were a little bit tired, and maybe the All Star break 
getting that that sort of rest. You know, you're at the you know I, I figure we I think we would all agree that the dog days of the NHL season somewhere start around January to about the mm-hmm. middle to end of February, right before the trade deadline. There's like this this patch, this patch of games where you're just kind of you know you're just kind of going through the motions. You know, there's the the excitement of the season when you first start the first you know 15, 20 games. Then you kind of get into the meat of it, and now then you get to the All Star break. You're kind of waiting for the All Star break to to come about. That that gets you about what 45, 50 games in. Then there's that stretch before the trade deadline where there's a little bit of you know anticipation, a little bit of nervousness around different rooms in the league because you know you don't know where guys are headed and where things might be headed to. And then you've got that sort of six week sprint to the postseason. Like, I don't believe in the idea of, oh, we're playing playoff hockey every night from, you know, February on. Like, you can't do that. You know, I hear, I hear analysts say that a lot, and I hear sometimes players say, you know, we've been playing playoff hockey all year. Like, no, you haven't. Stop. We, we watch these games. Like, no, no. You, they, you, can, you, you, will te- you will know the difference between regular season hockey and playoff hockey when you watch the very first playoff game. It's, it, it's sure. like night and day. So when players say that, when coaches say that, when analysts say that, I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so now the, the bigger sort of um, thing, at least for me, is, is Igor. Um, I don't know if you guys have discussed this sort of in depth, um, but it is my contention that the team will only go as far as Shostorkin can take them. Nothing against Jonathan Quick and, and his performance so far this season. But I am not of the mind that the Rangers can sort of play a game of goalie musical chairs and be successful long term. Um, Boston did a very similar thing last year, basically kind of splitting goalies through the course of the season. And unfortunately, what happens in those situations is as good as both guys were last season. Swayman, and I forgot the other gentleman's name. Eventually, when you get to the postseason, you have to settle on one person. And... Igor has the higher upside of the two players. I, 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 know, I know Quick is having sort of a rejuvenated season, but the long-term play here for, for the, 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 high, the, um, the, 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 the peak of, of, of Igor, I believe, far surpasses what Quick will be able to provide you. And I, I, I know he's had his struggles. There has been this sort of weird thing of, hey, Let's let's give quick the, the you know the nod net and you know ride him until Igor figures it out. The problem with that is, well, while Igor's sort of rotting on the bench, how long do you want to ride that out and then wait till quick is struggling and then think that oh the guy I just benched because he was quote unquote struggling we'll just put him back in the lineup and he'll figure it out like that that doesn't work like I think Igor just kind of has to figure this out and just let the chips fall where they may. And I know that makes some folks maybe a little uncomfortable because the argument against that would be, well, you've got a good goaltender that's been performing well this season. Give quick the, uh, the nod and just see where it goes. But I feel like the long-term play eventually, it's kind of like the whole in football, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I, I don't think you can ride out the sort of, you know, pick and choose, you know, yank, yank. I, I don't think that that works over the long period of time. And so I think Igor is going to have to figure this out, and the Rangers will just sort of have to live and die with it. Carl, let me uh, let me. Oh, go ahead, Arby. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me just jump on that. I understand what you're saying, but I also don't see it as a problem. Like your forward lines and your de- and your your defensive lines, why not play the goalie that's hot, and then either after let's say three games like they did just now, or after he loses, then you go with the other goalie and try to let Chesterkin know that the entire team isn't weighing on your shoulders during the regular season to get wins as he figures it out. Because I can tell you that if the Rangers go into the playoffs and Chesterkin drops the first two games of the first round and Quick comes in and wins, you're looking at the new number one goalie in the playoffs. There is no way he's going to go back and forth. So I think as much as what you're saying... He's going to have to find a way to find his game because points are just too valuable right now. And I don't think, I mean, Chesterkin's played well. I mean, you know, the last game, and he seems to be more comfortable, and we want him 
to be that guy that he was when he won the Vezina and, and last year and all. But I don't, I don't think – I think Laviolette also has his back against the wall because we've all said when the season started, he was kind of thrown to the wolves with, here you go, we want a cup right now. And I don't think he's coaching like that. But I think in the back of his mind, he's like, I can't – how long do I wait for Benoit Allaire help Chester and find what he had? Somewhere, you got it like, – like here, it's nice that you got a five-game winning streak and both goalies are contributing – and both goalies aren't feeling the weight of New York City on their shoulders because if one struggles, the other one's there to pick it up a little bit. And I'm not talking about the Boston scenario from last year. That was different with Swayman and Ullman. That that was totally different. But I think here he's got to be a little bit more careful because for some reason, and we spoke about this last week, it, it's like Chesterkin has a a problem with adversity. Like you have to watch it. You have, you have to keep his head game in the right frame of mind, or he'll get pissed off, or get pissed off. And he's making too much money for that crap. You, he has to understand that at the end of the day, it's about W's, and whether it's just Durkin getting us the wins or Quick getting us the win, they, they got to find some sort of equal boundary. Because once the playoffs start, you're right. Just Durkin, no matter how good or bad he's playing, just Durkin's gonna be playing game one of the playoffs that, unless something totally unbelievable should turn around and, and cause something else to, to, to prevent that. But I think the pressure is really going to be on him those first two games. You you, you play bad, you go down 0-2, he's got a three-time cup winner that's phenomenal this season. Whether Whatever the reason why he's regenerated, he's rejuvenated his career, he's going to use that. And Chester can sort of going to be looking over his shoulder the rest of the season, I think. So I just wanted to throw well, he- that out there that Go ahead. Well, well, RP and for everybody, the thing with that is, I don't. I think in the postseason, the coach only gets to play that card one time, and mm. you, he, 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 and you've got to be right if that if you decide to make that. Job. I don't think in the postseason, you know, you you drop that hammered in for one game because what happens. RP, you guys will probably agree. You drop that card. Let's say you're down to it. Let's say, mm, here. Here's a scenario. The Devils last year, when who, who was that goalie's name that was giving up those goals? Was it Vanacek? Was that, was that the gentleman's name last year yeah, before Vanacek. they went to uh, Akira Schmidt? Okay, he's, mm-hmm. he's struggling or whatever was going on in those first two games. They go to the kid Schmidt. He gets him the win, and basically he ends up riding it out the rest of the, rest of the way. Now, if, that, if you want to do that, then fine. But I feel like if you're going to do that in, in a situation like this with the Rangers, once you decide you're going to bench Igor, like, you can't go back. It's not like, well, we'll just sort of reset things. Like, I don't think that's going to work. So you're going to, if you're going to do that, just know that there's no turning back. That's at least my view on, on that as a long-term play. Yeah, no problem. If I could just interject for a second, uh, those are both excellent points where it didn't work for the Devils last uh, last year because Akira Schmidt, you know, came in and shut us down, but then Carolina just, you know, abused them. However, it has worked for Laviolette directly. And RP, as soon as you said that, I immediately went to the 06 team where he did exactly that. And I got the stats mm-hmm. in front of me. Martin, Martin Gerber was their starter that year, started 60 games, went 38, 14, and 6. So he was undoubtedly – it wasn't even a controversy. He was undoubtedly the number one guy. You go to the playoffs, he starts that first round against Montreal. They lose at home 6-1 to one and 6-5 to five in two OTs, and he got the boot. And Cam Ward comes in in game three and starts every game on went to the Stanley Cup. So Laviolette does have uh, uh, good success of doing exactly that. However, uh, and, and I think this is more of a controversy because Quick has started more games than, uh, than Cam Ward did as the backup that year and has had more success, so it's a little different. But there's an example right. of, of Laviolette just completely turning his back on his number one goalie who had a great year because he – you know, drop the ball two games in. But that being said, Devils tried that last year, didn't work out. So you're both right. RP is about to say something. Yeah. Glenn, what do you think? Well, you know, we talked uh, last week, I think, Carl, and I had questioned because I think it was after the uh, Colorado game when Quick had played so well. 
that uh, Valaket brought up to uh, Henrik, uh, you know, that having quick play again is going to get Igor mad and, you know, kind of try to call out Hank and say, didn't that make you mad when, you know, uh, when you were sitting the other goal he was playing? Didn't it make you play better? Oh, uh, right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of questioned, but I wasn't sure. You know, you touched on it a little bit, or someone did, about uh, how Igor sometimes will, will let a bad goal maybe get in his head and then give up another one. Or uh, if things don't go so well, you, you know, he lets it affect his game. And I questioned whether, uh, you know, having quick play, a number of games in, in succession, uh, if Igor had that mental toughness that somebody like Hank had or Mike Richter had, uh, or if it would backfire and just make him even more, you know, introspective and, and worrying about his game and everything. Now, uh, you know, he played two really good games, uh, uh, obviously really good against Calgary and and Chicago. You know, the goals weren't really his fault, but, you know, those are two not – really competitive teams against the Rangers. They, they should win those games. So I'm not sure that question is totally answered yet. Um, you know, I'd like to see him win if he wins the, the game on Sunday, the stadium series game. Um, you know, they have a couple of, they got a Dallas game coming up next week. Um, you know, but I'm not sure what that would do to Igor, supposedly, if we get into the playoffs. And I expect he will be the starter in the first two games. Uh, but yeah, if he if he uh, you know if he messes up in those games and they go down 0-2 uh, and he doesn't play well and they go to quick, I don't know how Igor would react to that. And and Laviolette may have no choice then at that point uh, to leave quick in for the you know for the rest of the run. Obviously, that's a hypothetical, and hopefully Igor will answer that question between now and game one of the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I mean I agree. Uh, you know, obviously that was great that Scott went and said that Laviolette has a history of doing that, and he won the cup doing it. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I mean, I remember years where, uh, you know, Richter had a great backup in Glenn Healy. Uh, the year that Henrik got hurt and Cam Talbot came in and went like 16-3 and three or something like that, when the playoffs started, you went back to the first guy. You, you, you went back to the guy who's the number one guy. And uh, I think that's what is going to happen. But I wouldn't mind seeing Quick play uh, a good number of games between now and the playoffs, if for no other reason than to actually uh, give Igor a little bit of a rest, too, to have him going into the playoffs uh, in top physical shape and hopefully mental shape. So, um, you know, I I think ultimately it's just Durkin is the guy. I don't think there's any question of that. Uh, But if Laviolette did have to turn to Quick, you got a guy who's played really well this year, rejuvenated his career, and has that uh, uh, experience of winning three cups. Plus, I think the team has a lot of confidence in him. So, if it came to that, uh, I kind of agree with Carl. I think, you know, if Laviolette made that switch, he might just run with quick the rest of the way if that happens. But hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully Igor is back to normal and everything is kind of in place the way it should be. I would like to add um, one thing you guys did not say in, in all of that, and I think this, the biggest culprit of this season was the defense. And I think Scott allude, alluded to it, or somebody did, as far as the team mm-hmm. not giving up a lot of scoring opportunities, especially the Tampa Bay and Colorado since the All-Star break. That had a lot to do with why I say the, last, the two goalies had some success in this win streak. I mean, if you want to count the Ottawa game, I'm not going to really count that, but let's start with Colorado, and we talked about it last Tuesday. The defense was, the, in my opinion, and you heard me say it many a times throughout the season, they needed to clean that up and sure that up, and they have thus far. I mean, let's see if they can keep that up. Now, uh, as far as Shesterkin, you know, I thought the defense kind of letting them out the drive a lot this season, uh, some of those were soft goals. But when the defense is not making stupid turnovers and they're not allowing uh, – the only goal I could think of since the All-Star break was the pinning goal. That was when he shredded four Rangers and through the neutral zone. Outside of that, the defense has been pretty good uh, thus far. So if keep it up and let's, let's give Shesterkin a chance before Lafayette has that option to go to, um, you know, Jonathan Quick. Uh, we'll go back to RP. Uh, I'll say this real quick. Um, you know, as far as the Flames, I think Scott alluded to it. You know, 
Ay, ay, ay. With that team, that's I, I, I wasn't really big on them this season, uh, and I didn't really see Vancouver really playing the way they played. They just don't have enough because now that Edmonton has been scoring and Vegas is around and, you know, Seattle could turn it up at a bit, man. I don't see any really strong hope for the Flames throughout the rest of the season. Uh, they they won games that, you know, Boston, they came to the Jersey and did the Islanders and then lost to us. But then they were, they had like a five-game homestand and they lost like four out of, four, four out of the five, man. That, I think we talked about that last year with that team, man. There's something all with this team, man. It's just that, you know, the, mm-hmm. the core of those guys left. And then as far as the lightning, and I definitely would like to get you guys the stadium series you guys have on stadiums, but the lightning, it really goes back to that core. Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, uh, Nikita uh, Kirchhoff, uh, Braden Point. I mean, my question really is for all you guys for today, if you could, I'll ask you when you go around, how long are they going to stick with the core before they break up the band? Because if they Around, they're still a top team in scoring. They just they can't stop anybody from scoring. Vesselski, uh, whatever your thoughts on that. And we saw in our game, um, uh, 98 get hurt um, and broke his legs in all kind of places. But uh, is Dave, John Cooper's been a phenomenal coach. Uh, RP, your thoughts on anything else you would like to add with Eager? Matter of fact, the Rangers defense. And because you mentioned Brozinski, you, you actually took a little bit of my thunder because that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Him and DC have been playing well. As a matter of fact, cool yeah. well, the Monaco Wolfpack guys have been playing well. I think the missing gap in all of this was, A, well, the defense is playing better, but the also where Scott said where this team could have went to the next level is where we thought we would have got with Cap- Capocaco, Philip Hedo, but Hedo's out with injury, and Lafayette. If those guys would have been doing the projection of where they should be offensively, we'd probably be, what, another 12 points up in the standing, 16 maybe, 14, 16? See, I think that's the missing piece offensively with those guys, those younger dudes. Everything else is kind of uh, kind of doing what they're normally doing. What are your thoughts, uh, RP? Defense, yeah. stadium series, flames, lightning, anything uh-huh. with the blue shirts? I, you know, I, I agree with that. I, I, you know, it's good to see the young guys picking it up. I, I really, I have liked Brzezinski for a while, so I'm glad he's getting a really good look and he's filled in well. And, and that line sort of took a little bit of time when they put. Kako down to the third line to, to get going. But Kako seems comfortable with them. Everyone's got to be a Cooley fan. That guy just plays with so much heart and passion. And he can hit. He can score. He's really hockey smart. He's having a great season. So the third line, you can say that third line's been carrying the team five on five a little bit. Panarin's cooled off a little bit. That's expected. But then again, Scott, he probably wouldn't be cooling off if Lafayette could find the net. So you get Panarin a pass on that, without a doubt. Um, they they absolutely need another right winger. I mean, it's been the same problem since training camp, though. We, they knew all along they needed another right winger. We were unsure if Kako could do it. They didn't know how Lafreniere would do if he was on the right wing when they were trying that out. Obviously, they don't think Hoffman's ready to come up full time yet to give that a shot. So, you know, they're hurting. I don't know if we could say they're hurting at the center position as much as we thought. Brzezinski's done pretty well there. Um, you know, we've all been saying center, center, but when you when you look at the team, if I had to choose what was more important, a right wing or a center, I would say right now we need a right wing. More imperative. I just, Blake Wheeler just, they need more explosiveness on that side. And, and he has a great shot and he gets opportunities, but there's just something missing on that line. Now, from a, really quick, from a trade standpoint, we've all been hearing the Frankie Petrano say, uh, rumors, it's funny, all the right wings that are in the rumor mill, almost all of them have already been, have already played for the Rangers. And you hear in Petrano, you hear in Tarasenko's name, you hear in Anthony DeClaire's name, you hear in Pavel Buchnevich's name again. So I don't know if those are guys that Drury is seriously considering or not, but it's not a huge market out there, and you're going to give up a, a roster player if you get one of these guys. So that's another thing they got to consider. But they definitely going to have to improve on the right wing. They may need to improve on defense. I don't know. Gustafson just seems to be – well, if I, I did taking turns where right? we were talking about Miller struggling early in the year with all the giveaways and turnovers, and Miller corrected that, and now all of a sudden Gustafson's struggling. He pinches when he shouldn't pinch. He makes those chip passes in the middle of the ice that get ticked off a lot. So 
they, they may be looking that way or maybe sit him a little bit and use Zach Jones, who played well when Lindgren was hurt. We'll, we'll have to see where they are. Braden Schneider has been playing really well, very solid. He's had some good offensive chances, so we're, we're pretty happy with that. And uh, Fox and Schruber and, and Lindgren, them three are always playing at that level. So Fox hasn't come back offensively as much since his injury as we would have liked, but he's still playing solid. Uh, with the Lightning, everyone was asking, you know, has the ship sailed? Well, the Lightning really should take a look at what the Pittsburgh Penguins did because instead of them improving, they signed all their plays and, and Malkin and Latang with all these big contracts to keep them, and they're 23-19 and 19 in seventh place with 53 points. So Tampa Bay's got to look at that scenario and go, this, this might be it. I mean, yes, they're in third place. They got 61 points. They're 28 and 20 and five. But you got to think they're going to have to make a move and start parting ways with some guys, or next year they're going to be in the same spot as the Penguins. You know, the Penguins, I, I feel the Penguins fell to fan pressure, Malkin with that big deal, and the Keith Latang with that big deal. So will, will the Lightning do the same thing? I, I don't. I think they're going to look and, and not do the same thing and, and start to improve. But we'll have to wait and see where they are, you know, after the season, how they do in the playoffs and, and like that. And then we were talking about the Pacific Division, how good the Canucks are playing. The Golden Knights are playing really well. And, you know, the Oilers had that horrible start until they got Knobloch and put together that 16-game win streak and all. They're still in third place at 61 points. What really helped them is the rest of that division not that good. Right? you got the Kings, the Flames, the Krakens, the Ducks, and the Sharks all behind them. So the Kings are three points behind the Oilers. So they'll put a little bit of heat on them as, uh, as the season unwinds towards the end. But they're in a good spot because of the division they're in, and they got you know, one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world. So they're definitely going to take off. But we may say playoff hockey didn't start now, but positioning definitely started now because really quick, if you look at the Rangers division, Rangers, Carolina, the Flyers have cooled off because they lost their goaltender. And then after that, you got the Devils, Caps, Penguins, Blue Jackets, Islanders are in there, all struggling just to, to stay afloat, barely over 500 or most of those things are. So you're battling for that top three spot. I'm sure the Rangers want to come in first and get home ice as much as they can. But there, there's a lot of hockey left to be played. So I just want to see them make the trade to get a right wing and then just start to to do what Lobby Lett said in the beginning, use the rest of this time to push to find and recognize that you need to find another two or three gears when the playoffs start. The Rangers, most of these guys have all been in the playoffs one or two seasons now. There's a lot of experience back there. You've got Quick, so Serkin's been there before. So I think now we're just putting the pieces and those final touches together when you go 30, 28 games for the playoff push, because that's what it's all about now. Don't get hurt. Find your scoring. Figure out what's wrong with the power play. Hope Chesty can... Keep his head, I can't believe he keeps talking about his head, but keep his head in the game and focus so he can start playing better hockey and, and get ready for that, that April push. All right, cool. Thank you very much. Now, I hate to do this, guys, but uh, we're going to go to some extended final thoughts. So, if Glenn, if you could give us everything you have as far as the blue shirts, uh, the lightning, the flames, stadium series, we'll get the same yep. thing from Scott, and then Carl will go back to RP and we'll wrap up. But go ahead, I'll just give you up. I will be uh, as quick as I can. Uh, yeah, all the names that we're hearing about uh, uh, a right wing for the Rangers to pick up, and I do agree that I think that's the, the biggest need right now. Um, you know, you'd love to see Bush Nevers come back, but I'm not even sure if he'd be available because St. Louis is right on the bubble of making the playoffs, and I would think that they want to try to get in. Uh, you know, they're competing with uh, Nashville and uh, – uh, uh, over in the West, you know, the Kings, maybe the Flames. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know that he would be available. But, you know, guys like Frankie Vetrano, uh, Tarasenko, who, you know, he's only on a one-year contract, so maybe you can get him from Ottawa uh, for, uh, you know, a, a lower-level prospect and, and a draft pick. 
um, you know, that would be fine. But, yeah, I think the, the overriding need is a right wing right now because in the beginning of the season we did say, uh, you know, the, the, the way this team is going to be better is for Heedle, unfortunately, and uh, Kako and Lafreniere to be better than they were the year before, and that's how this team is going to improve. Uh, and we haven't really seen what we want to see from them. And although the team's record is great, it hasn't been great over the last couple of months. So uh, I think going forward, they're going to have to need to, to, to uh, uh, you know, get somebody on right wing uh, who can, you know, score some goals, uh, create some chemistry uh, probably on the first line with uh, 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 Mika and Kreider. Uh, so I think uh, right wing is the biggest need, but I'd still like to see them go out and get a, a veteran defenseman as well, uh, especially considering uh, some of Gustafsson's problems. And I'm not sure I want to, uh, although, although I, I think that uh, uh, Zach has, has gotten better uh, as the season has gotten on. He got a little more playing time when Fox was out, when Lindgren was out. I'm not sure I want to go in counting on him to be my uh, emergency sixth defenseman. So that's as far as the blue shirts go. Uh, as far as Tampa, yeah, I mean, Tampa just doesn't have the depth that they used to have before. Uh, you know, they got uh, their big three all playing together on the first line right now. Uh, Hagel has turned into a, a real good player. Uh, Sorelli's a pretty good player, you know, both on the second line. Vasilevsky, um, you know, he was out for uh, two months. I don't think he's back where he used to be. And, you know, maybe maybe he's starting to be on the downside. He's been around for a while. So, um I'm not sure, you know, what they are going to do. I think they – I don't know what their prospect pool looks like. I could see this being Stamkos' last year on the team uh, because uh, there always seems to be a little uneasiness between him and the organization. I think there were some issues uh, when he needed to be signed to his last contract. So uh, if they're going to make a move to try to improve uh, their depth, I can see Stamkos going. But even on defense, uh, you know, Hedman is still Hedman. But, uh, you know, they don't have the guys that they had when they were winning those Cups uh, that were big, shut-down kind of defensemen. And, you know, Rangers saw it uh, as well as anybody, uh, what that Tampa defense was like. And I don't think they're near where they were. Uh, I think they'll still probably sneak into the playoffs this year. And I don't know that they'll, uh, you know, subtract at the trade deadline because I think they'll try to make one more run with, with uh, the Kucherov point Stamkos grouping, but uh, I can see uh, this being Stamkos of last year. Uh, as far as Calgary, you know, they're in a funny position. Uh, they moved Elias Lindholm, who, you know, was probably more of a salary issue that they knew they weren't going to be able to sign him. But if, if I'm a fan of Calgary, I'm wondering where this team is going in the next two or three weeks. You've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, rumors about, uh, them training Tanev, uh, who I'm not sure why he's in such demand, but a lot of teams seem to be interested in him, and also Hannafin, who I don't think they would move, but I think they're concerned about signing him too. So uh, I think the next couple of weeks for Calgary is really going to decide uh, where they're going to go. They're kind of in a maybe we're in, maybe we're out uh, bubble situation. But uh, uh, I think that uh, they're probably going to wind up missing the playoffs, especially with uh, – uh, excuse me. Uh, with uh, gotta get that ginger tea. Uh, yes, you do. With, uh, <laughs> with Edmonton making the run that they've made, because you know, I mean, I mean, you look at Edmonton. Obviously, they won those 16 straight, but they still got five games in hand on uh, almost everybody on Vancouver, on uh, Vegas. Uh, so they've got room to make up even some more ground. Um, and I think it's more likely that a team like the Blues or Nashville or the Kings uh, are going to wind up sneaking into those last two playoff spots than uh, Calgary. So they got a lot of decisions to make between now and the trade deadline. And real quick, if you give me on the stadium series this upcoming week. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. And then they go to Scott real quick. We're running out of time. <laughs> I love watching those games. I think the venues are great. I love all the uh, pomp and circumstance around them. I don't know how you guys feel. I wouldn't really want to go to one because I would feel like I'm so far from the ice. Uh, it's cold and uncomfortable and crowded. Um, you know, you're talking two and a half times uh, the amount of fans that are at the Garden for a game. Uh, so 
I, I'm looking forward to it, especially with it being against the Islanders. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I love watching it from the comfort and the warmth of my own home. Uh, so I don't know how you guys feel. I think, Scott, didn't you go to one? Uh, so maybe you can fill us in. But I've never really had the urge to actually want to be there. I have been to three, and um, numbers four and five will be coming up uh, this week. And I love them, as you guys know, from my Canada exploits. I don't mind the cold. I like it. I remember getting this argument with my with my father once. He's a Devils fan, but Giants fan, and Giants, you know, above everything else. And I remember him saying, like, oh, you're nuts uh, going to these things. I said, Dad, let me ask you something. Um, Giants play the NFC Championship at home. That's going to be in January. If you were given affordable tickets, would you go? Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's different. Uh, is it? Is it? Like, stop. Stop. You're done. Okay. So, well, no, I, I don't mind them. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Well, it's, it's a playoff-type atmosphere. That's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. It's, like an, it's, like, it's like an all-star game, playoff game-type atmosphere. The first one I went to was uh, 2009 in Wrigley, uh, Chicago, and Detroit. Uh, we sat a little bit too low, but then we were free tickets. My sister knew somebody who worked for the NHL, so we were in the, in the field level. When I remember going down to the seats, we were in the like, uh, field level maybe like um, – I mean, halfway in between the goal line and the blue line, I remember sitting down in the seats. I'm like, wow, these are great. And then I realized we couldn't see below the board. We were actually below the top of the boards, so we could just see, like, the, uh, you know, chest up. So that's when, that's when I realized that the higher up you go, the better. But, again, they were free. It was a great atmosphere. It was snowing a little bit. Um, 2012, I went to uh, Rangers-Flyers. And I, if you remember, that was a phenomenal game. Rangers go down 2 nothing early. <clears throat> Come back. Mike Rupp, of all people, scores two goals. Yeah, we yep, get the game yep. winner from Richards, and then that ridiculous. You remember the league doing everything they could to send that game to overtime. That penalty shot. Uh, it's got to be real quick. And, we got to wrap up. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So, moral of the story is, I love these games. Uh, I have a lot of fun at them. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to be a neutral observer on Saturday night for the Devils and Flyers. Kind of got roped into that one by convincing my girlfriend there's a Devil fan to go. Uh, but I'm I'm super excited for uh, for Rangers Islanders. It's supposed to be about 40 degrees and sunny as of now. So if that holds up, that's pretty much as perfect of weather as, as you can stand. And we're we're in the upper deck, so yeah, we'll be far away, but you know we won't we'll be able to see everything. Uh, I, I love these things. I'm All excited right. for it. All right, cool. Call final thoughts. Our conclusion. Oh, yes, absolutely. Great great time with all of you guys. Uh on the Calgary Flames, they were on the road to nowhere. Um they're not good. They're not they're they're never seem to be good enough to be a cup contender and they're never bad enough to seemingly get the first pick in the draft. They're sort of stuck in this perpetual state of of you know, just in between, which is I think the worst place you can be in the league. It's frustrating uh as a fan. Uh for Tampa Bay, you're seeing the decay now of the of the sort of long run that they have had in terms of you know, sustained success. There's probably going to be a little bit of a re restocking or retooling, and you know, over time, the youth will will eventually have to be uh, more in play with Tampa Bay. As far as the stadium series uh, goes, uh, you just Glenn, uh, Scott was just talking about uh, the Winter Classic at Wrigley. They're actually going back to Wrigley in January of 2025. Coming up here, I think they're playing St. Louis uh, next mm-hmm. year. That that was announced uh, during the All Star Game. Um, I, the the distance bet- at MetLife Stadium up top, I'm curious to see how that's going to look because that's much higher than Yankee Stadium was um, when they had the Stadium Series, uh, those games against the Devils and the, the Islanders back. It was a 2013, I think that was. No, 2014, that was the year uh, that they had uh, those games. So it would be something to see. I mean, uh, I, I would not want to watch a game inside of a football stadium. That just, that's just me. Uh, I would not do it. Baseball stadium would probably be much better off. Uh, Fenway. Yankee Stadium and Wrigley would probably be the three. Citizens Bank Park was the one where uh, they had the uh, the Ranger game against the Flyers. And then probably one last thing to close things out. I was either going to talk about taxes or I was going to talk about uh, a controversy, but I'll go with the controversy one in this case. Um, Morgan Riley of the Leafs decided that he was going to take liberties because um, Ottawa, uh, Ridley Gregg decided at the end of the game to slap shot a goal into an empty net and decided he was going to be all upset and decided to basically cross-check him from behind. He ended up getting suspended for five games. And essentially after the game, there is this, I guess, unwritten code that exists that you can't do what was done in that particular game. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, someone, can someone give me a list of these unwritten rules? Because I, I don't understand. Um, you know, I, I, I can only imagine I can. when Riley 
I can only imagine when Riley went through in, in the, during the hearing when they asked him what he was thinking, and I'm I'm hoping the response by him was not, well, they made me mad. Like, like I'm <laughs> like I'm sorry. Like do do better than that if you can. Right, well, cool. can I get some, can I get time no, to shed light on that or no? Five seconds, my guy. Five seconds. Okay, we gotta go. Okay. Five seconds. Okay, it's not a rule. Like, like it's an etiquette thing. Like, like, like in football, if you're uh, if you're up by thirty with One. five minutes left, and you go into the shotgun and throw a sixty-yard pass, somebody's gonna take out your quarterback. <laughs> Three. Right. Baseball, you're up by ten Four. runs in the ninth inning, and they're stealing bases. You're getting plunked. That's five. it. That's that's the etiquette. Very much. Because right, we gotta. Okay. Final plus. No, I'm I'm good. I had my final thoughts. I'm looking forward to the stadium series. It's a Ranger Islander game. I don't care where we play them. Just hope they kick their ass. Ranger proud, baby, left and right. And I'll talk to you guys next week. All right, man. Next Tuesday, we'll pick it up. Shout out to the guys. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We'll have some fun. And um, hopefully to continue to share. So, ladies and gentlemen, believe Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, 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 blee blue.